Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Bubba Cunningham, UNC AD on the Mac Brown hire. That's next hour. Tony Barnhart will join later as well. But joining us now, as promised, he is a guy whose voice you will hear and face you will see for the remainder of the college football season. And I mean calling games, describing who makes the Final Four and all the rest. Catch him Saturday night in Charlotte. He has the call with Kirk Herbstreit and friends for 12-0 Clemson against Pitt in the ACC title game. He'll be back at you on Sunday afternoon on ESPN describing the results of the college football playoff selection show. And then, of course, later he'll be calling one of the semifinal games and the national championship game. Most famous, of course, for his cameo in Adam Sandler's Waterboy movie. Chris Fowler, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? Good, DG. Yeah, that's, uh, it's been 20 years. I can't believe that since that little cameo. Uh, I have to say one, one benefit besides it was a lot of fun is those little checks keep dribbling in. You get a check for $6.14 because they're still streaming that movie somewhere. So it's been, it's been <laughs> fun. <laughs> well, you know, I would not normally take up Chris Fowler's time, although with such things. <laughs> but it is the 20th anniversary earlier this month. I saw you uh, as a part of some oral histories and other things flashing back to the water boy. I'll have you know that when David Cutcliffe of Duke was asked his favorite sports movie of all time, he said, "The Water Boy." What was most What was most memorable about uh, your time on that set? I know it wasn't a long time, but I, I know fans still ask you about it twenty years later. Well, meeting Adam Sandler was the best part. He, he's a guy that I kept in touch with a little bit. Got to go to a movie set when he shot uh, movies after that, so he was very cool to invite us onto the set. Um, he was involved in sort of directing what we were doing. I have to say, it was not a huge job stretching and growing as an actor. Play yourself. <laughs> Next Corso. Uh, I, I look forward to other acting challenges in the future. That, that was just pure fun. I mean, we're in a little studio. It wasn't even a real stadium. There were real press box. But you kind of look down on the field and pretend you saw Bobby Boucher and all that kind of stuff. And some of the lines, people still quoting back to me. So it, it's been fun. Uh, um, but, but, yeah, meeting Adam and hanging around him uh, was the best part of it. Have you in the last 20 years secretly snuck into a broadcast there's a lot of pain and shame in those eyes. Or you know, I've wanted to. I, not I, yet? Just like, yeah, I have never. Um, not, not in, not in um, uh, a game call. I mean, maybe in game day back when the movie was just out or yeah. something. Yeah. But uh, I do feel responsibility <laughs> to not leave 99% of the audience behind with the reference <laughs> they would get. Plus, plus, the pain in the eyes is one thing. The shame uh, yeah. that, that is something I don't want to project into a player, but uh, yeah, you know, there's still time. There's still time. It's still the 20th anniversary for a couple more games. So clearly you've thought about it, which means so you're saying there's a chance. Chris Fowler, a chance. <laughs> Chris Fowler is joining us. Follow him on Twitter at CB Fowler. If you're a tennis fan, you get him all year. If you're a college football fan, you get him all fall and into January. All right, you get the call on Sunday afternoon with the selection show. You're headed to Charlotte for the ACC title game. Let's talk the national picture first. We all know Notre Dame is in. We all believe if Clemson and Alabama win this weekend, they're in. What is the next step? How, how do you break down what else is out there as Georgia fans and Oklahoma fans and Ohio State fans and maybe even others are trying to envision the scenarios where they squeeze into the Final Four as well? Now, to me, I'll start with Georgia. they got to win in my mind yeah. unless there's carnage and Ohio State is upset and Oklahoma loses to Texas and things like that happen. And I think Georgia potentially is a two-loss non-champion 
would get in, but only in that scenario. Yeah. To me, they have to win. The other two, I think the margin is important. I think the committee has sort of made their decision that Oklahoma, based on up to now, is more impressive than Ohio State. And it's important. It's important for Oklahoma and their cause that they be in sort of that pole position, but that's a match race, you know. So uh, how much can change? Can Ohio State make the kind of emphatic closing statement against Northwestern? that they did against Wisconsin four years ago when they, they clobbered them and they just looked like one of the four best teams ended up you know, winning the championship, of course, that year. That's the mindset there, I think, is not just win, win huge if they can. Northwestern can be tricky. They're, they can be tough. They can, they can make a game a little ugly and lower scoring and deny Ohio State the chance to do that. But I know that with the explosive offense, with Haskins coming in on a roll after what they did to Michigan, um, there, there will not be a letdown. They're going to have to put a uh, pedal to the metal to try to try to win by a big score. Oklahoma has a bigger challenge doing that, I think, against Texas, which is a tougher opponent. But I, I think Oklahoma wants to come out and start the game the way they played the fourth quarter the first time around when they came from 21 down and Kyler Murray used his legs and his arm. And, and I think if they, if they start fast and get a lead, Texas, to me, isn't necessarily built for the big comebacks because you've got to – you try to come back against Oklahoma, not just scoring points. That's one thing. A lot of people do that. You got to stop them, right? You got to stop them a bunch of times. And that's the problem that West Virginia had. Other opponents have. If you get behind against Sooners, I mean, somehow you got to get stop after stop to get back in the game. Um, but I do think Oklahoma's in a better position uh, going into their games than Ohio State. Chris Fowler's joining us on the David Glenn Show. He'll be on ABC for the Saturday night call of. 12 and 0 Clemson against 7 and 5 Pittsburgh in the ACC championship game. We're bringing the big tailgate tour there. Of course, ESPN slash ABC are bringing the heavy hitters there as well. Chris, Herbie, and the rest of that crew. Coach K here in our backyard in college basketball has spoken for a long time about what he thinks is the need for a commissioner of college basketball. He says, you know, some NCAA people have their hearts in the right place, but without a commissioner for college hoops, sometimes the decisions go awry in Coach K's eyes. We're going to make you the commissioner of college football just for fun. All right? No, thank you. You, you have, no, you have you. but you are a caretaker. You are, you are one of the faces uh, of college football. Well, I care about the sport. I'll, I know I'll give you, you that. Do. In all, it's all sincerity i wonder your thoughts as some have suggested i mean you've you've read dan wetzel death to the bcs and 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 he had a recent article about how wouldn't it be a more fun weekend if instead of conference championship games many of which are meaningless we had the eight team bracket that served as an elite eight in an expanded version of the playoff is that good for the sport that you care about is there a better way than what we have right now with something i celebrate i mean i got tired of sports writers dissecting resumes you know after the bowls many years ago this is way better than that but is there something even better in your eyes well i've said for a long time the conference championship games would have to go away to make an eight-team bracket work. You can't keep adding layers of games. You talk to the players that have been involved. Game 15 is, is the wear and tear is real. So if you're going to add another layer, you got to do with the conference championship games. And for me, yeah, that'd be, a, that'd be a good trade-off to make. The dollars are more than offset it. Talking about having seven playoff games instead of three. Um, I think that the conversation about where those quarterfinals would be played would, would go into that. Are you going to put them? at the campus sites or the four highest seats. And if you do that, you get a bigger playoff. You get more dollars. You get more teams say that they can be in the playoff. Would you get different semifinals, though? Gee, seriously, would you? 
I mean, are you going to go to Tuscaloosa and win a quarterfinal? Are you going to go to Death Valley and win a quarterfinal against Clemson? I, you know, I mean, it's possible. You could say they'd, they'd be in there taking a swing at it. Yeah. But it's very likely you could end up with the same four teams as in a four-team bracket, barring some big upset. So, you know, you've got to think about that, too. On Saturday night, Clemson is going for its fourth straight ACC title. I wonder how you and Herbie handle such things because I remember. <laughs> you hope for a close game. Well, right. You hope Vegas is wrong. Is what we get. That's how it starts, brother. Well, I mean, you know, talking I'm, about we don't do a lot of games where one team is about a four touchdown. Right. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, three years ago, you guys had an eight and O Carolina team in conference play that had tied the school record for wins, and they they go down against a really good Clemson team. It was that onside kick attempt, you know, a one possession yep. game in the final minute. I imagine y'all had a lot of fun with that. I, I was I was there, so I didn't hear your broadcast. But how do you hype up a pit matchup that more resembles last year when every Everybody believed the Tigers were a lot better than Miami, and that game seemed to be over uh, pretty darn early. Yeah, I think first of all we don't hype it up. I mean, I think we, we present it uh, with integrity in the way the way uh, we honestly see it, which is that you know, Clemson is playing to punch their ticket. Um, so you got to play up bit on the line. Um, it's a huge underdog for a reason, but they did beat them a couple of years ago in Clemson. Uh, the catch of the Tigers in a rough week off the performance against the Gamecocks, I think, just getting off the phone with Clemson coaches and I've talked to some players, too. I mean, they're very tuned in this week. It, it may be the wrong week to play Clemson. And Pittsburgh's style of play isn't quite as well-suited to disrupting that defense as South Carolina's was. But, you know, you frame it that way. It, it, it's a Clemson senior class. It's trying to get to a fourth straight conference title, a fourth straight playoff. It's an amazing accomplishment if they do it. Uh, Pitt's got in, you know, they're in there swinging with a puncher's chance, um, but we don't we don't frame it like this is an even matchup. I mean, I, I felt badly in last year's game that Miami showed up dead on arrival. You know, they had three key people out on offense. They were they were a biggest. There was no way they were going to score in Clemson. They they, they, could, they couldn't win a shootout, and they couldn't uh, hang with them. And I, I was disappointed in the way that uh, their defense played. Pittsburgh's going to have to get a great defensive performance. They're going to have to deny the big plays, and they're going to have to win the way they know how to win because they, they just can't chuck the ball around 45 times and come out of character and win. So, listen, I mean, anything can happen if they can hang close, but um, Clemson is, is pretty good at handling the pressure of these playoff games, the championship games. They're so experienced at it. They have a great track record. Um, they don't choke these kind of games. So a lot has to happen for Pitt to win. Last thing for Chris Fowler, go as long or as short as need be. Mac Brown, previously your colleague at ESPN, he will be 68 years old by the time he coaches the Tar Heels in his second tenure in Chapel Hill. Uh, we've done a lot of research, Chris, just about how most of the time, you know, Bill Walsh at Stanford the first time went better than Bill Walsh at Stanford the second time. Johnny Majors at Pitt the first time, much better than Johnny Majors at Pitt the second time. What are your general thoughts as you saw Mac Brown jump from five years in the broadcast booth to coming home again right here in our backyard? Yeah, I mean, full disclosure, Mac's a friend of mine. Known him a long time. I, I I covered him when he was at Carolina the first time. I go back a ways. I, yeah. I, I watched Oklahoma come in there and shut him out one time. It was the most boring twenty-eight nothing <laughs> game you've ever seen. But so he's inheriting a, a rebuilding job just as he did the first time. Uh, he stayed very very active and tuned into the game. Sometimes when guys go from coaching to TV analysis, 
they dial it back. They know they don't have to prepare and, and follow it the same way that Mac always has. I mean, I, I trusted his uh, wisdom on all kinds of teams. Whenever I was doing a Big 12 game, I, I saw him at a Texas practice this year when we had the Longhorns, and he was very, very tuned into the situation there and at Carolina because we talked a bit about the Tar Hills program. I had a Carolina grad next to me who was a producer, and he was very keen to get Mac's take, and it was obvious that he was very dialed in and behind the situation. So I wouldn't worry about that. You know, Saban's 68 years old, too, by the way. Yep. So I think people think, feel like he can still coach. And you know, 68 is certainly not too old to do the job at all. Um, Max has got good energy. He's kept a, a you know, he's got a place in, in the state of Carolina. So he's very tuned into that. I think you know, it's a challenge, man. I'm not, you're telling me, is he going to come up with a challenge for ACC championship next year, the year after? Doubtful, to be honest. I mean, I think he left Carolina. I, this is from memory, but I think he might have been 7-1 in the ACC the last time he coached them when yes, he got the that's correct. Uh, Texas job. I, now they're 1-7, so that's a huge swing. Um, the ACC is a free-for-all below Clemson. The good news about that is that you can make leaps and bounds. You can improve a lot because I don't see a huge difference between teams um, at the bottom up to the, the upper middle, we'll say, of, of the ACC. Do you? I mean, I think they're all – they're all sort of in a basket, um, which means with a couple of good recruiting classes and some good hires and some new energy, you can make big improvements, and I, I hope that happens for them. I'll make you feel younger. I was there on December 16th, 1987, when Mac Brown was announced as the Tar Heels coach the first time. So here I am 31 years later covering his next <laughs> press conference. And I, and I, I wasn't there for the announcement, <laughs> but I saw a game that, that, that that's, I think it's the 88 season I'm referring to when I was down there in Chapel Hill. And they, <laughs> he, he had a ways to go at that point. That is correct. Wow, that was a bad, 88 and 89 were really, really bad football teams. For the record, I was covering them at 20 and 21 years old, but I remember how bad they were. And well, I wasn't how, that much older than you at that point, but I'll tell you, I did quit a played Oklahoma 15 quarters and I don't yes. think they would have got, yeah. got in the end zone. I mean, that's how that's how that was against the Sooners that this, day. This won't surprise you. I, at 21 years old, Mac asked me to go out to lunch as a beat writer for the Tar Heels way back when, and he tried to talk me into the idea that good days were coming, even as Carolina fans were complaining about two wins and 20 losses over two seasons. And because the guy can sell icicles to an Eskimo, I actually believed him and wrote about it, and he made me look good because they had nothing but eight straight winning records after that. But you you know him by now. I think the rebuilding job is easier now than it was then. I, I don't know if he was asked about that or you talked about that, but I think what where he came from then and where they went was it was a more challenging journey than where he is now. I'm not saying beating Clemson yeah. is, is going to be easy, but I'm talking about getting into contention and respectability yep. and getting that program back where it should be. Chris Fowler, thanks for the extended visit on the David Glenn Show. We look forward to seeing you in Charlotte on Saturday. Enjoy the DG. Take care. You too. On Twitter, he's at C.B. Fowler. He is just one of the best in the business, isn't he? I mean, if you're a tennis fan and Chris Fowler's voice is on one of those majors, doesn't it make it that much better? If you're a college football fan and you tune in to Fowler and Herbie and company, doesn't that make it that much better? That I don't know what they're going to do with Pitt against Clemson. I mean, that might be turning chicken bleep into chicken salad. Maybe. We'll see. We'll be there with the big tailgate tour, driven by Continental Tire. We're excited about that. We're right across the street from Bank of America Stadium. You can meet Darren Vaught, among other things. I will be there as well as his sidekick. We will have other staff members on site, too, with all of our games in the Continental Tire Toss. It is your last chance to qualify for four free Continental Tires.